as we venture into the murky waters of everything you've been told never to bring up at holiday dinner. You'll meet a guy, someone you can trust, a battle-tested, common-sense leader who knows that an extra pair of dry socks just might save your life. That wise old sage has arrived, and he is shouting the Schmidt Show battle cry. Schmidt heads unite! Good morning. Good afternoon. Time appropriate greetings, depending on where in the country or the world you are listening to The Schmidt Show. This week has been a little hectic and things have been a little crazy. So this week, instead of one longer episode, we have two short episodes. The first of which is an interview with a gentleman by the name of Todd Benzman. Todd Benzman is a uh, senior fellow at uh, the Center for Immigration Studies and It's been an interesting discussion with him uh, talking about immigration and some of the issues that are going on with immigration. So we are, um, I pre-recorded this interview actually as a part of my terrestrial radio show on News Radio 1310 KNOX and was given permission by uh, uh, the folks over at KNOX to share this on my podcast as well. So um, this is, like I said, an interview, a pre-recorded interview with uh, Todd Benzman. So, without further ado, it's Immigration with Todd Benzman on The Schmidt Show. We're just going to jump right into it today. We've got a lot to talk about, and on the phone with me is a gentleman uh, by the name of Todd Benzman. Todd is a uh, senior national security fellow for the Center for Immigration Studies. He has uh, helped lead the uh, homeland security and and, uh, intelligence efforts. Um, He's got more than 20 years of experience as an award-winning journalist. Uh, covering all sorts of topics and and specifically uh, national security topics and focusing on the Texas border. So I mentioned an article of his uh, last week, I believe it was, shortly before the 4th of July that he had written and uh, wanted to give him an opportunity to... uh, to talk a little bit about it, because I think it's uh, it's a fascinating article with a lot of really great information in it. So, Todd, thank you for joining me today, and uh, thanks for uh, for joining here. the Schmidt Show. Yeah, glad to be here. So, Todd, let's let's just start with this. You you the the article, the headline of the article that you wrote was the next influx: the entire world's poor and dispossessed. Now, essentially. What you lay out in the article is that there is so much more to the immigration crisis at the southern border than just illegal immigrants from Mexico, and it's it's much, much more complicated than that. So kind of give us the overview, first of all, of, of that article, and then we'll talk a little bit more specific. Sure. So what's happening is that we have a crisis at the border that is uh, most of the American public knows primarily as involving Central Americans uh, from the um, El Salvador, Honduras, and um, Guatemala, the Northern Triangle countries. And uh, we're having, we're on pace to, to, to receive about a, a million Northern Triangle migrants. And so much of the effort and much of the um, debate and discussion nationally is uh, concerning you know, what, how do we stop uh, Central American family units from taking advantage of the asylum law loopholes that we have uh, that, that are attracting them, that are magnetizing them to come in such numbers? You know, ba- basically that 
you know, we're so overwhelmed that we're just waving most of them through. But what I think the American public really doesn't know very much about is that it's the rest of the world is on its way here as well. Mm -hmm. So my report is about how we are seeing a very significant surge in African migrants, uh, migrants from uh, Haiti, from Ghana, Angola, Democratic Republic of Congo, who are um, surging right now through Panama from Colombia. They're coming in through Ecuador, moving in significant trains that people haven't seen uh, this large in many, many years. It's very significant. Is is and, that because uh, it's just easier for them to get to South America and 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 then make their way up through Central America and into the U.S. or or is it? I mean, what's, no, yeah, why yeah. start there? So that's that's the um, you know a great many of the uh, Central Africans are flying to Ecuador mm. because Ecuador requires no visas whatsoever. If you can get a plane ticket to Ecuador, you're in. Ah. Once you're in that, once you're into Ecuador, uh, and to a lesser extent, Brazil and Chile, and there's some other countries where it's very easy to get a visa or to bribe your way to a visa. And once you're in those countries, then you just, you know, hire smugglers, localized smugglers to get you to Panama, Colombia, and Panama, and then you're in the Central American migrant uh, routes. Those routes go all the way to the Texas border, the Arizona, New Mexico, and California, as we know. Um, what's happening is that the Africans and others from the Middle East, for example, are seeing that the Central Americans are able to just get waved right through, mm. that they've so overwhelmed us that we've broken down, and they're getting while the getting's good. And so in my article, which you can find at CIS.org, uh, Center for Immigration Studies.org, yep. uh, look me up there. You can find all my work. Um, details, you know, from, from the accounts of uh, two people who have just returned from Colombia and from Panama who actually witnessed these migrant, vast, huge migrant caravans showing up in Panama on their way here. So um, that compliments reporting of my own uh where i was down in panama and the darien gap myself in december and met and saw a lot of these nationalities coming through as well um uh, but but the numbers are, are are tremendous now so we should be seeing congolese and cameroonians in very large numbers start to show up at the southwest border and just get waved through is there and is there no point, is there no yeah. incentive by the these various Central American countries? I mean, you would think it'd be somewhat difficult to get across the Panama Canal and and some of those places. Is there no policing going on in these Southern American countries and Central American countries as they as they make no, their way exactly, up? It's exactly the opposite. Um, the country of Panama and the country of Costa Rica are the smugglers. Mm. They're they're actively involved in moving all of the migrants that they capture in the Darien jungle safely through their territories and on up to the U.S. border. In other words, it's kind of like a hot potato 
uh, where you know they're moving the hot potato toward us as fast as they possibly can. They want can to get them out of their country as quickly as possible. Exactly. And, you know, as I have argued before, you know, with friends like that, who needs enemies? <laughs> right. Because, you know, you've got um, all kinds of Middle Easterners and Iraqis and Egyptians and uh, Pakistanis who are all moving through there, too. In December, I met uh, uh, nationalities from the Middle East and I interviewed four Iranians who are making their way through. So we have national security uh, migrants of national security concern moving through there in fairly large numbers who are just hoping to take advantage of the crisis at the border. One of the things that I have argued is is that our current policy of leniency on some of this stuff, whether it's at the southern border or after they cross and, and things like that, like that message is getting is is being spread throughout these various migrant caravans. And I've been told, oh, that's nuts. They don't do that kind of thing. They don't even have TV or news or anything like that. So how are they going to know? They're just trying to find a better life and all that kind of stuff. Is is Am I right? I mean, is that word being spread throughout these caravans that, hey, come now because it's your best chance before no, you're, you know, Trump you're, builds a wall or something complete, like that? Yeah, you're completely uh, accurate. What's happening is that um, Spanish-language news media keeps very close tabs on every turn of the screw that happens at the U.S. border policy-wise, and they report it very detailed and with great detail and very carefully on a daily basis. It's like an instruction manual on what's happening, where it's happening, and then that gets spread on social media networks among caravanners and, and from people to, 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 to uh, people all over the world. Mm. So if you're looking for a way to, um, you know, cross the U.S. border, all you got to do is plug into that news media uh, networking and the social media networking, and they'll tell you exactly what's happening. Hey, they're thin at um, El Paso mm. sector, so show up at the El Paso sector, and there won't be anybody there because they're all busy processing Central American kids. Uh, and, uh, you know, they're overwhelmed, their, their bed space is short, uh, Congress said no on, you know, a spending bill or whatever it is. Right. And, uh, you know, believe me, they follow our immigration policy around the world far closer than the average American does. So you, you mentioned in your report, you mentioned some of the national security issues, and you talked about the four Iranians that you spoke with and, and some of the others. A, a text messenger to the show asks the question, you know, are you seeing diseases and things like that? And in this particular report, you actually have a few photographs of people with some sort of skin ailments and various diseases and things like that. Is that really a big problem or is that just more of a a peripheral issue? I mean, honestly, I think it's, it's a, um, it, it is an issue. We have to pay attention to, uh, screening folks who are coming through, but but honestly, um, there, there are so many coming through and there's so little screening being done anywhere along the route that we have no idea what sort of diseases are coming in. Mm. We, we, do, we do pick up reporting about measles and mumps that are coming through, and there's been some unconfirmed reports about Ebola. Uh, I, uh, I mean, I have to just say that, that the crisis is so severe that we just don't know really what's happening. There's no screening being done. There's no time for any screening. Nobody's doing it. I know I know that this is never going to happen, it, it, but it seems to me that at some point we've got to say, all right, 
enough is enough. We just can't handle it. We are going to put an end. We're stopping. We're freezing all immigration coming into the United States. I mean, are we at that point yet, or or can we continue to do kind of our normal, um, you know, asylum and those sorts of things as long as it's it's on some sort of schedule or, or process or something like that? Or do we just have to say we're freezing it, we're going to take a break so we can deal with what we've got, and then we'll open it back up later on down the road? Yeah, the, the, the freeze idea, you know, technically is possible. The president has the authority to just end all asylum immediately. Nobody can claim asylum. And asylum is the, it's not the end goal. It's the process by which most of these folks know they can get waived right through. Mm. Um, half of them don't even show up for their asylum dates. Uh, they're not interested in asylum. They're interested in, they know they're not going to get it. Uh, they don't qualify for asylum, most most of the migrants that we're seeing right now. So they just uh, are using asylum to get through the, the, the border patrol, just to right. get past the border patrol legally. And then they're here forever, pretty much, because, right. you know, they just disappear into the, into the interior and join the illegal uh, population. And uh, that's pretty much it. But what's happened is... The things that need to be done to reform the asylum law so that this can't happen have been bottled up systematically in the courts. So those who are in favor of this kind of mass migration, who have no problem with it, are filing injunctions every time the president tries to do something. Right. And it bottles it all up into the courts and slows it down and the migrate. And believe me, the word of that gets back down to... Central Africa and Central America, et cetera, and they're like, let's keep going before they get it. You know, one of these days they're going to get it. No, so let's just keep. You know, we got to go get while the getting's good. Right. One of the other things you you mentioned in the in the report is some of the various terrorist plots, and and I've I've suggested that this could be a possible issue that's need that needs to be dealt with. Um, but how much of that is? I mean, are, are terrorists, you know, the ISIS guys, are they really able to sneak through this stuff? And are they trying to infiltrate or, or with the Somalian programs and the various uh, refugee type programs, are they able to get here that way and not need to go through all the hassle of coming up through South America? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, I don't want to be alarmist about it. We have right. not had an attack by a border crossing uh, migrant, but certainly uh, the bridges that span middle the middle east and the southern border exist and they are very well established they're smuggling networks that can move easily move uh you know three or four thousand people a year and do from those regions to our border so it is happening there is migration it is possible to move there and we have had um quite a few uh individuals who have been linked to terrorist organizations that were caught uh, I've reported extensively on those. We've also had um, at least uh, 100 in the last uh, three or four years, 100 people who showed up at the border or en route who are on t our U.S. terrorism watch list, mm. which is not a good thing. That means that they're suspected of somehow being involved in um, Islamic extremism uh, who have been apprehended at the border. And lastly, I would just point out that, you know, Prior to 2015, nobody who lived in Europe would have ever imagined that, you know, migrants crossing mm. their external borders would commit terrorist acts. Right. But uh, it's just been bloody mayhem from one end of the continent to the other 
of attacks that were conducted by migrants or by terrorists who snuck in with the migrants. So yeah. it's not a crazy concept. It's a it's a proof of concept. We have a we have a phone call here from a listener. Let's uh, get this in. You're on the Schmidt show. You got a question for Mr. Benzman? Is that me, Brad? That's you, John. Go ahead. Yeah, I guess my question is, you know, how many give me a number. How many thousands of people are we talking about? And then you're talking about terrorism and stuff. It seems like even if 1% comes through and turns into a sleeper cell, we, we pardon my French, got a hell of a mess coming sometime. <laughs> it not, not, you know, right now, but maybe in the future. Could you kind of give us, what's the total number do you think will come through before we put an end to this? I'll just hang up and listen. Good question. Sure. Well, a lot of the on what nationality you're talking about, you know, with the Central Americans and Northern Triangle, uh, we're talking about 100,000 a month are coming over the border right now. Uh, the reporting that I've done recently about the Africans, uh, that is, and it's unconfirmed, but the estimates that the people I've talked to uh, uh, provide me are that there are about 35,000 Central Africans who are in the pipeline right now meaning they're on the Colombian side, moving through to the Panama side. We've already started to see groups of hundreds of Congolese uh, coming through. The other kinds of migrants that would be a national security threat would be like, uh, we call them special interest aliens, and those are going to be like, uh, you know, Iraqis and people from the Middle East. Every year we have between three and 4,000 of those show up at the su- southern border from about 30 countries of interest mm. uh, from, from those regions where terrorist organizations operate. Right. And if you consider Europe where you had, um, you know, really a tiny, a fractional percentage of the total uh, 2.7 million migrants who came in, maybe 100 of them were terrorists who conducted attacks but the consequences were extremely outsized. I mean, it just literally changed the electoral map of Europe, those hundred guys, and killed a lot of people and wounded a lot of people and caused an incredible amount of political, uh, I would say, you know, public treasury expenditures on security. uh, I mean, it's just transformed Europe, these hundred guys. So, if five guys came over the U.S. border, you know, and right. conducted some kind of an attack, I mean, it's just going to be all of a sudden it's going to be, oh, now, you know, we should pay attention to the border what's the, and what's, everything else. What's the solution? Because I've suggested what we need and, and about the only real solution would be to 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 actually build a full on like Great Wall of China type wall with, you know, with some doors in it so we can allow for legal immigration. Because I've said, you know, legal immigration is is an important part of our nation and our history, and it's something that we need to kind of figure out. But, I mean, is it is it something that that dramatic where we've got to just go full on, build a gigantic wall that's impossible to climb and bury it 20 feet in the dirt so they can't dig under it or, or something like that? Or is well, there a I better solution that- somewhere? I think that's certainly uh, a part of the solution, but you have to have – uh, borders that extend forward from your home territory when, mm. when it comes to this kind of migration. So remember I was telling you about Panama and Colombia. Well, those are countries that uh, could be doing a lot more for us right. on, their, on their end. 
And yeah, they're supposed to be our allies. Uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, like, you know, we're having Mexico, uh, you know, work on our behalf. We had to, you know, cudgel them into doing it. But uh, finally, um, you know, really this is about vetting. You know, once, once the people that do get to the border – uh, get to the border, we have to know who they are. They show up without identification often from a country that doesn't even have, you know, computers. And uh, there's nobody to call there and say, who is this guy? Does he have a criminal record? <laughs> right. Or, you know, are they a terrorist? Yeah. They just show up and, and you know, we we need to make sure that, that we hold them long enough to, you know, interview them and investigate them and check whatever we can check before we take the big gamble on letting them through. And that's happening a little bit, but it could, that's a whole other radio show. Right. Right. I've also argued that, that the, the solution to, to immigration in general is a fairly simple three-step process, but the details get really complicated. My thought is like I said, number one, we got to secure the border. Number two, I think we need to streamline the, the, the process so that the, that people can come here legally easier or more easily than if they come here illegally and, you know, and have some sort of vetting system along with that. And then after that's done, then we can start dealing with the people who are already here and figuring out the illegal aliens that are already here and what to do with them. What do we need to send them back or deport them or whatever it is, which that part of it, I think is probably the most complicated. Is it, is it that simple or am I just pie in the sky thinking that we can actually no, solve I mean, this issue? You're right. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's just the, the whole system is, um, it's so multi-layered, and when you tinker with one piece of it, it has impacts on other pieces of it. And you do need to, um, uh, you know, you need a comprehensive solution for all of it. And right now, with the way our Congress is, uh, you know, we're split, we're split country. Nothing like that is going to happen right. for the foreseeable future. There's no comprehensive. Right. Um, yeah. Kind of reform that that can be put in place right now, and I just don't see it realistically well, happening. And so, what you're seeing is, you know, a lot of piecemeal policy stuff that is it relies on bypassing Congress completely. I know you're running out of time, and you've got to get going. Let's try and get one last phone call in here, real quick. One more question. We've only got about ninety seconds. What's on your mind? Hi. Uh, it's so great to hear this. I'm actually doing a doctoral this dissertation on legal immigration, so this is awesome. Um, I am wondering what role the education system plays in attracting all these people to the border. Mm. Um, what is is that a huge factor in bringing in these people? Is our public school system, or is it something else? Good question. Good question. Appreciate the call. Sure. I, well, yeah, my answer, I don't have a quantifiable for you, but, uh, you know, when you talk to migrants who are coming and you look at their country conditions, uh, you know, their, their, their interests are like anybody else's interests, especially if you have kids or, um, uh, you know, you're bringing children, family units, and um, what you're interested in first is uh, a way to, to, to make a living, and our economy is an incredible magnet for that. Uh, there are asylum-granting countries all along the route from Ecuador to the United States, but they choose to bypass all of those, all of those uh, asylum opportunities to come to the United States. And why? Because, well, you know, you can make a living here. There's room for you here. 
and the education system is uh, going to be even our worst school dis- performing school districts mm. are going to, um, you know, far surpass anything that a lot of these people have access to in their home country. Yeah. So it's definitely, uh, you know, they know that they're going to get free education. Their kids are going to be taken right into the school districts. Uh, we have laws that uh, prohibit school districts from checking on your legal status. You just have your kid, you're in. Right. Uh, with, with free lunch, you know, yeah, yeah. free lunches and yeah. all of that kind yeah. of stuff. So, I mean, it's definitely part of the package of draw. Well, Todd, we'll definitely need to stay in touch. I know you've got to get running, so I want to be conscious of your time, and, and I appreciate you once again for taking the time to chat with us. So I'll let you go, and uh, I'll keep in touch with you. Um, let's definitely do this again. i got about a million more questions I could ask you and, and uh, certainly got a lot more we could talk about for sure. Happy to do it, and anybody who's interested in seeing uh, my reporting on all of these issues can go to cis.org and look me up and you'll find my stuff there. And I will have a link to that on our Facebook page at KNOX Radio as well. So thank you very much, Todd, and we will talk with you again soon, hopefully. All right, thank you. Thank Bye. you. 701-775-5559 is the number. His name, Todd Benzman. He is a senior national security fellow for the Center for Immigration Studies. It's CS, cis.org slash Benzman, and I'll have a link to that up on our Facebook page.